Hi, this is Aaron Douglas. I'm Chief Tyrrell in Battlestar Galactica, and you are listening to Galactica Quorum Online. Why does no one grieve for Tori? Because she deserved it. We see Pythia on Cobalt, and she looks like Starbuck. Buzz. No. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica, and this is episode 79. I'm Brian. I'm Michelle. Jason. We have a website that's galacticaquorum.com, and an email that's gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M at gmail.com. Call us on our voicemail line. That's 301-358-5175 to leave us a voicemail with questions or comments. You can also visit our forums. There is still activity on our forums. Very lively discussion. People pro and con against the finale. There's, It's all very civil. Please join in. In news, it's been a while since we recorded a regular podcast, but we have some pretty cool news to tell you about. First of all, we are again finalists for a Parsec Award. Woohoo! Very excited about that. Parsec Awards are awarded at DragonCon. We are going to DragonCon this year. And we're really excited to announce that we will be part of the podcasting track at DragonCon. Very Woo-hoo. exciting. We will be doing a live show. With Dimitri there. And Dimitri will be there. I'll be there. Not Jason. Jason could not be there. Could not. Chooses not. <laughs> You're going to have fun. When is it? First Labor Day weekend. Weekend. Oh, sorry. Paris. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's work, but it's still Paris. <laughs> Paris, Atlanta. Wait. Work in Paris, nerd in Atlanta. It's still Paris, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would choose Atlanta. And I did yeah, choose. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> our live show will be Sunday, September 6th at 7 p.m. It will be in the Hilton in room 204, where a large bulk of the podcasting track panels and discussions will be held. There's a full schedule on the dragon-pod.com website, and I'll post a link for that in our show notes. Also, I have just recently interviewed Doug McLean, who is the art director for Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. Talked to Doug back in January, actually, at the prop auction, and we've been in contact since then, and we finally had time to talk again about Battlestar and now Caprica. The Emmy nominations have come out. Battlestar Galactica was, once again, not really very well recognized. They got uh, nominations for directing and, uh, let's see, editing, and a slew of what you'd expect, the sound and visual effects Emmy nominations, but no acting, and obviously not for best drama either. Anyone that pays attention to the Emmys as a viable arbiter of what's good on TV and what's not, yeah. just give it up. Yeah. They actually expanded the number of shows nominated for Best Drama, and it still didn't get nominated? I mean, well, come sci-fi on. Well, sci-fi tends to not get nominated for anything. Well, I mean, that's they, also, they also didn't nominate Friday Night Lights for Best Drama either, so... But that- Jim Parsons got a nomination. Okay, you know what? That's actually the the best. That might be the only piece of good sci-fi, and I call, I will coin that term in there. Right. In like the last couple months, as far as if anybody doesn't know, Jim Parsons plays Sheldon on Big Bang Theory, and he got nominated for what Best Actor or Support Best Support Best Supporting, supporting Comedy Actor. I mean, basically, 
Jim Parsons and what's her name's cleavage carry that show. <laughs> and it's really nice to see that if there's not a nomination for best cleavage, at least Jim Parsons. I'm just happy they nominated a character that is flat out a nerd. Well, flat and, out funny. And it's hilarious. And I'm very happy that he got nominated. But Battlestar was uh, ignored. If Mary didn't get nominated last year, I thought her performance in the previous season was probably her best. If they didn't get nominated in previous years, it would be hard to argue this year. That was, that's not really what a nomination is based on. It's not, are you as good as you've ever been? It's, are you good as against other shows this year? It wasn't the best BSG season, but it was still better than 95% of what's on TV. But on the other hand, how many shows have gotten that kind of that career award nomination? It's certainly they should have deserved it for that. The recognition of showing not just what sci-fi could be, but again, quite honestly, just what happens when you actually put thought and effort into writing and addressing issues. Try it sometime, NBC. (laughs) You know, there's things other than reality and cop dramas. That's what mainstream likes. So mainstream gets what mainstream likes. It really boggles my mind that a show that the UN recognized... As many people in Hollywood want to pretend how in touch they are with, like, political issues around the globe, to not kind of see the marketing opportunity here, if nothing else. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, by the way, the head of NBC did get canned slash resigned yesterday, so there may be hope, but let's be honest, he did so much damage to that network that it's going to take a while. Any other news? Let's see. While we were away, we've had shows been renewed and canceled. Dollhouse was renewed. Woo-hoo! Sarah Connor was not. Boo. By Boo. the way, episode 13 of Dollhouse is brilliant. And you saw who's going to be on Dollhouse? I sent you the yes. email. Jamie Bamber will be guest the, starring. Guest starring in the They've also, season premiere of Dollhouse. And what show did I just see? Added Summer Glow. I think she's going to be on there too. I could have sworn well, that would be cool. I, I could have sworn I saw a headline that said, "Oh, I'd like to see Summer as a doll." That would be cool. I could have sworn I, I can't remember. I could have sworn I saw a headline that said two Weed Nights added to Dollhouse, and I, I could have sworn Summer Glow and someone else. It may have been someone else from the Buffy Angel thing. All I have to say is Fox made a huge mistake by not airing episode thirteen because it was brilliant, and Felicia Day did a fantastic job. We will be doing a Dollhouse retrospective podcast in the next episode or two. And I also really want to talk about Sarah Connor because I think that show deserves a final look. Because as much as I was dubious about the beginning of season two and how with the direction they were going, I thought they ended up just so well. And I think it's a shame that they pulled the plug on that one. I agree. Right. I could have easily seen us covering that every week like we did for yeah. Galactica next season if they had done it because it really had become just a really nice, well-written show. Oh, it was kicking ass. I mean, I, I would do a better postmortem on Sarah Connor than I would do on BSG. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If nothing else, honest to God, Brian Austin Green, someone pick him up and put him in a show. Put him in a cop drama. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let him host a reality show. No. no. I mean, seriously. He, he worked sh- for Rick Schroeder. I did? Yeah, he was on NYPD Blue. I'm oh, I thought you meant a reality show. No, no. <laughs> I, no, no, no. See, I actually put... I put Brian Austin Green has joined my pantheon of like, wow, he can really act people. You know, yeah. Rick Schroeder, Zach from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And now Brian Austin Green. Because it's like, okay, we remember them in their child roles. But now it's like, did you see, holy cow, he's actually good at this. Did you see Mark Paul Gosler on uh, Jimmy Fallon? I've heard it's pretty good. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Talking, and talking about the Saved by the Bell reunion. Yeah, but he goes on as Zach Morris. Yeah, yeah. 
who is the actor. It's just, it's, it's so funny. You have to find it. Yeah, we're running on all kinds of tangents, and Brian better not cut these out. Well, okay, let's be honest. <laughs> this is the stuff you want to talk about, because if we really got to talk, sat down and, and did a little bit more on the BSG ending transition to Caprica, the cynicism will start yeah. flowing pretty heavily. Yeah. Well, we I mean, we're, get, we're getting the fun part out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, time, it's time we did turn our attention and our gaze to Battlestar and Caprica. It's been a while since we did a regular podcast, and I have to admit, part of that is my fault, because I just did not have the urge, I guess, to want to address some of the issues. It wasn't that I had a hangover. It was more like, it's like if you eat some bad shrimp or something, and then you can't even look at the shrimp for a while. I can't get near it. So Don't make food references. So uh, I might vomit. Bat- yeah. Battlestar Galactica <laughs> finale, like food poisoning. Really? Yeah. I'm I, over it. I'm over no, it. No, I'm not over it. It's not that bad, and maybe I'm over it, but I think it's more just a simple case of you've seen it a million times, I think. There's something that's been consistently good, be it a series, a TV series, a you know, like a movie trilogy, a book trilogy, and it's so consistently good, you put a lot of hope into wrapping it all up. And sometimes they do it well. Sometimes they they do it okay, but not your expectations. I think here it's actually you had high expectations, but then it actually underdelivered pretty badly. Call me out on this if you want, but it, I'd call it kind of a Matrix Two, Matrix Three. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, wow, that was a great start. Can't wait to see what they do next. That was it. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. When you saw the finale at my house the night of, you were glowing with praise. You said A plus. It'll probably wear off with time, but at the moment you said it's fantastic. Now, what is your impression grade after the fact? For all the crap I've given it, I'll still say it was a B minus C plus. If you're talking about just the battle scenes, I still give the battle scenes an A. Oh yeah, those were great. I the mean, first hour was good. Yeah, if you could have cut it off without going to the 1990s, 2000s, and just let it hang. Might have been really good. It was really that last little snippet that kind of submarined it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And not completely. Again, it's still a top five sci-fi show of all time. What are your other four? Star Trek original. Okay. Next Generation. Okay. Uh, wow. (laughs) Oh, well, Buffy. Okay. That may be the ultimate. And I'll put Buffy Angel as a companion, as a combo. Maybe you'll enjoy Firefly for the one season. Maybe a top four. <laughs> you should watch Firefly. Oh, he well, will. He will. Oh, but... Okay. My cheesy number five, Logan's Run, the series from the 70s. Oh, they did a series? I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That's the one I know of the best. I'm sure if I looked back on it today, it would be horrific. <laughs> oh, yeah. But when I was seven and eight years old, that was a great show. I liked Alienation. No. That was my favorite. I never even saw the movie of Logan's Run. I saw. I was a fan of the series when I was a kid. Logan's Run, the movie, it should be remade. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So I received an email from Leonard who writes, I can't believe most of you like Daybreak Part 2. It doesn't deserve anything higher than a C+. A2, Brian. B means, regardless of the additional negative signs after the grade, it's above average. Part 2 was just meh. I felt betrayed by RDM. He pulled a Star Trek. It's the character's stupid epiphanic moment RDM talks about as his rationale. I'm sure even he has a hard time selling it to himself. As far as my grade for that one, we did our finale show 
like what two times we had technical problems let's put it that way we had to do it record it twice there was discussions that i had to like cut from one and put to another and it was just a big pain part of what we talked about at the very end when we were doing our grades was how does this rank in terms of the overall series how does it rank on its own and in the end i just matched it all together and i gave a grade but you know obviously i'm very unhappy with the finale i would probably rate it c minus the best now i mean and again, that is just because it's, like Jason said, if you take all the effects together and you take some execution of being able to bring everything to a head where they have a nice conclusion set up, I mean, to that point it was good, but then it just, for me, it fell off a cliff. So yeah, in my heart of hearts, I'd probably give it like even a lower grade than that, but it just, God, it hurts me to do so because, you know, I've been a fan of the show for a long time. And so, I don't know, to me, that's the final word on it. I just don't want to belabor the point any further and... uh you know, we're, done we're done discussing it. And uh, well, I think the takeaway is if you're going to come up with a groundbreaking sci-fi show, you've got to be consistent the entire time. If you're going to set the bar high, don't screw up. People get pissed off. It's almost like you're damning him with faint praise. It was such, such, such a good show that you're going to view any slip up worse. Let's be honest. If heroes could put together two hours like the BSG finale, we would praise it as, my God, it's recovered. It's fantastic. But you judge a BSG on a different level than Heroes. We've established that fact. We actually had a discussion on our forums and some correspondence that we had from our last podcast, our uh, Balticon show, where Scott Sigler was saying how he really was not that interested in going back and reviewing a lot of the old material because it just left a bad taste in his mouth. And one correspondence we had from Leo said that the inadequate, unsatisfactory ending, however, won't deter me from rewatching the entire series over and over. BSG is a fracking good show right up there with The Prisoner in the first five seasons of The X-Files. I only wish the finale was as good as the miniseries. And then a post from Jimmy on our boards, he writes, I like watching the episodes in the new light of knowing the final outcome. There are a lot of episodes that some like more than others, but being willing to throw it all away because of the finale, in my opinion, is a bit extreme. I mean, I agree with that. It's, there's lots of really good shows. I just think that when I do go back and rewatch them, I will watch them with a different lens of knowing what the story is. It is going to affect how I enjoy them. That's perfectly summed up. In fact, I'll consider it if you've ever read The Sports Guy on ESPN now, ESPN page two. It's one of his classic running gags is about buying the Rocky box set and then immediately taking out Rocky V and slamming it against the ground and stomping on destroying it because it never happened. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to look at BSG. Watch the miniseries. Watch 33, the boxing show. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, I mean, just watch it for what it was. and enjoy, I mean, it was great. It's classic. I think it's an, it's an all-timer. And just like, okay, so the finale wasn't fantastic, but it really – it's a chink in the armor. It's not a destruction. The other thing about the finale, it would have worked even better if he'd had gone with the Sopranos direction. Do the finale and let it stand. The fact that he comes out every so often and tries to defend it, talk it, explain it, it bubbles the discussion up. Let it stand. Say, this is it. Mm -hmm. And walk away. And help people might respect it more. Going back a couple episodes, several episodes, we had a question where I asked about sci-fi shows that ended badly. Badly in terms of they were very sad, not that they were really disappointed. Or I guess I could apply for both. But mainly the episodes that were unsatisfactory and or sad. We got an email from Shannon who wrote that he thought Quantum Leap was a good candidate for that one with the final line, you know, spoiler here, 
Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. That was pretty sad, he writes. Or how about Heroes, which started out with such promise and now assaults the viewers and their intelligence and makes them suffer, much the way Ronald D. Moore makes the crew of the Galactica suffer. And we have a voicemail from Jesse on the same subject. Hi, this is Jesse. I was listening to episode 71, and Brian asked the question about the show ending on a sad note. And has that ever happened before? The first thing that came to mind was the end of Quantum Leap. I love the show. Um, still think one of my favorite shows of all times. But I still get sad when I think about the final uh, episode. Spoiler alert. The series ends with the words, Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. And then it faded to black. And when I think about the show, I have a sense of sadness and disappointment. And I'm hoping, but I'm not confident, that BSG is going to end well. I'm sure it will be well-written ending, but I just don't see happiness or even contentment in anyone's future. Hope I'm wrong, but who knows. As always, enjoyed the podcast. Bye. Yeah, so that obviously was before the finale aired. Now, when I posed the question... I really thought that it was possible that they would have a really downer ending along the likes of things they've done in Razor where they have mass executions of civilians and they kill babies. And I had no idea that almost the exact opposite would happen, that by and large, almost every character would make it through and it would be pretty much a happy ending. I'm a fanboy, but, you know, I thought Buffy really balanced that well. You had enough death, enough destruction. But you also wrapped it up, you know, with major characters coming through. I thought from what we had come to know and expect from the series that it didn't completely fall in line. It wasn't synchronous with what we had before, that everything was just so rosy. They find a green earth, Cylons are gone. The only character that dies is Roslyn, which we knew was a foregone conclusion. I think they could have really... (laughs) And Tori died. (laughs) Why does no one grieve for Tori? Because she deserved it. Right. Bitch, whore. I really think that if they had <laughs> added some heroic deaths to the finale, that it would have had more impact. And it still wouldn't have fixed the, the main things that I really didn't like, Starbuck. Well, that didn't make any sense. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> but it would have made it a little bit more palatable to me. One of the major knocks I was here against Ron Moore in this series is they were very reluctant to knock off any A-level cast members. Like the guys that appeared in the cast group photo from season one, every single one of them made it through. And you could say, well, Starbuck died, but no, she didn't. She came back. And they could get rid of any number of Cylons, but they'd always resurrect them and bring them back. So they were never, death was never really that permanent. It never was. They made a big point towards the end of saying the Cylons could now die. And, but all they did was knock off side characters. And so I, Again, I just think that's an opportunity they really could have, like, Hilo or Sharon or just somebody that, you know, you cared about that somehow made a sacrifice. Uh, it would have affected the story. To be honest, I mean, if you really want to do it well, Colonel Ties, he's a classic character to die. The loyal second in command. How many books, you know, movies does that guy die? I think Adama should have gone down with the ship. I think that would have been a good one, too. Yeah, but if Adama had gone down with the ship, oh, you mean, like, in the battle? Yeah. yeah. Well, then yeah. Even then, the even then, the Galactica then, then death end. becomes even less of a big deal. Well, again, they could have done something more for her. 
Her death really served no practical purpose, really. I mean, she could have died on the Galactica. She could have died anywhere. She could have died before or after. But she didn't do anything other than make Adama sad and build a... You're right. There's another Emmy problem is like how many people get Emmy nominations because they do the season with their terminal illness or their death. And it's like, he couldn't pull it. (laughs) Come on now. She barely had any scenes. That's what I mean. (laughs) Okay. I mentioned Starbucks disappearance being one of my major things that I didn't like. And I mentioned that before, so I won't go too much into it again. But I would like to revisit back... Gosh, was it a year or more ago when they started season four? There was a teleconference that Sci-Fi did, and I participated in that, and I got to ask her a couple questions. And uh, I think some of her answers are kind of interesting now in light of what we know. So I'll play this one now. Hi, Katie. Hi. Thanks again for talking with us today. The nature of Starbucks' return is a big mystery this season. We don't know if she's the original, a clone, a Cylon, or some figment of these imaginations. So... From an acting perspective, have you made an internal choice to play Starbuck as one of those possibilities? No, I think it's a strong enough internal choice to play the fear, to play that she's lost. And I think if I play that, I think that it leaves the door open to question what she is. Our show is all about playing the reality of something. And how do you play the reality of knowing that you are something when you don't really know what you are? You play the question. You play the uncertainty. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was a question that I had asked her, but there was like an hour of other people asking questions. And one of them, someone asked her what she would do if she had control of how she wanted her character to go out on the show. How would she do it? And this was her response. Die. You don't know. You'd like to have her die. How would you like to have her die? I don't know. Maybe she'll blow up again in a ship. I don't know. I just, um, I don't think that there's any way to end it with her being happy. You know, what I do wish for her is peace. You know, in whatever form that comes in, I'll be happy with it. But that's what I want. I want for her to finally have a sense of calm in her life. And whether it comes with death or some kind of transcendence of some sort, whatever, whatever happens, that's what I want for her. Ah, transcendence. We need to drop a hint. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if she knew at that point, because at that point they were just filming the Ron Moore directed episode. So it was the second one in from... A valiant warrior death would have been deserving. Yeah. What do I care? She's an angel and she just kind of up and poofed away. <laughs> <laughs> Which, believe it or not, wasn't as cheesy as Baltar and Six. Yeah, but at least explain what the hell they were. Uh, oh, fine. Well, that brings up another topic we have, and that is the other angels. The ones that appeared to the final five, Anders mentioned that someone appeared to each of them at one point. We're assuming that those were angels, right? Wait, when did that happen? When Anders had his brain dump when he was spewing all the exposition about we were back on Silent Earth and we developed this technology and Tyrrell saw a woman into Tori appeared, this man, and they told us about something happening, something coming. And we made a leap that that was the uh, angels. Of course, we make leaps, and then they allow Daniel. If we make these leaps, later they can come back and say, we don't see how you could have made that assumption. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just don't even get into the whole Daniel thing. Yeah, that one just pisses me off. We're not going to go there anymore. Because that's just them being pricks, to be honest. This is what we have left to do, is to speculate. If they saw angels, were they head six and head Baltar? And... If they were, why wouldn't they have... Well, if they were angels, 
and they made a skin job that looked like six, why wouldn't you make a skin job that looked like Baltar? Right. Yeah. And if you assume if they were angels and they made one that's like six, then I'm ready to assume that the other ones were possibly the other models. You know, come on. Well, well I mean, what if the angels can take any form they really want? Right. And they just happen to decide to, you know. Maybe one of them showed up as a fighter. Now, a few people have wondered what the heck happened to the Lords of Cobol. This, again, is another voicemail we got, I think, prior to or just around when the finale occurred. We're getting around to playing it now, and it, someone addresses this question, so I'll play it now. Hi, this is Keith. I just got done watching the series finale, and I just had a question. What happened to the Lords of Cobol? They're like the only factor that was never really discussed in the series. I thought they were aliens. I thought they were the ones who were the head sixes. I thought that they were some kind of higher being. They're mentioned once and never again, and nobody ever seems to think about what were they. So was God behind the whole thing? Anyway, keep up good work, guys, and I'll be keep listening into the future. Bye. I don't know, but I think <laughs> Lords of Cobol is definitely a front runner for the name for one of my fantasy football teams this year. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds Can I cool. make that a band name? <laughs> we are the Lords of Cobol! Sorry. That'd be a good band to play at Dragon Con. Christian speed metal. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what did happen to the Lords of Cobol? There is something of an answer, and whether you consider it canon or not depends on what your definition of what canon is. There was a comic that came out, Battlestar Galactica comic. Someone on our boards posted a synopsis of it. Dustin did. And it's about the original Final Five and the so-called Lords of Cobol. I'll just read through it. At any point, you can buzz when you've heard enough. <laughs> like the gong show. All right. Here is the comic. We see Pythia on Cobol, and she looks like Starbuck. Buzz. No. <laughs> <laughs> and she has visions of Head Six telling her that the 13 tribes have to unite. Michael Ty, the leader of the 13th tribe, tries to rescue her before his people are driven off due to the lack of their belief in the Lords of Cobol and the creation of the resurrection tech. But she is killed. When they stop on the algae planet months later, he is attacked by a stowaway, Magnus Baltar, who also killed Pythia. Pythia reappears in a viper and stops Michael from killing Baltar and gives Baltar, again, this is Magnus Baltar, the book of Pythia to take back to Cobol in her ship. Head Six, who has been appearing to Michael for a while now after Pythia's death, tells her that she is not the woman he fell in love with, but, quote, one of us, you call us the Lords of Cobol. We prefer other terms. We don't involve ourselves in your petty affairs. We simply offer guidance. But there's always been one who couldn't follow the rules, who couldn't ignore her basal urges. We call her Aurora, and she doesn't seem content to let you fail. This isn't the woman you love. She's an imposter, a rogue god. Ty doesn't care, and they continue to Earth after building the Temple of Hopes. The last panel of that issue is Pythia and Michael holding their son, Saul, as they arrive at Earth. 100 years later, the war on Earth happens. So, basically, they just called him the Q Continuum. I'm confused. I'm confused! I just think that is fracking stupid. (laughs) Having Baltar and Ty, forefathers existing thousands of years before the first Salon War, is so stupidly close to the Star Wars prequels <laughs> and the George Lucas overuse of familiar characters and family lines. I mean, come the fuck on. You know, well, much- don't you know that everything started with just one person? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what happened with our society? It just started with just one person. Mm. And everything was fine until females came along. Yeah, you know, a better <laughs> discussion to me would have been a, a nice exposition 
would have been a Dhamma discussing, if you want to make it full circle, he gave that great speech about finding Earth and, you know, why it's there, and then basically said, I don't believe it. Well, it would have been nice to have his little belief system wrapped up. Like, so was all this coincidence? Do you believe it now? Right. You know, what's going on, dude? Yeah. If Lost has told us anything, if the Harry Potter series has told us anything, it's almost impossible to answer all the questions you raise. Yeah. In any kind of extended series. So at some well, point, yeah, and you there's just always, have to... It's, it's, it's a never-ending story. You can always take it in any direction you want to take it. Plus, maybe the BSG guys would like this to develop into a Star Trek thing, where we'll start licensing out publishing rights for future novels, as long as you don't kill any main characters. Supposedly, they ended it with finality, but they didn't, because they left a lot of things open for interpretation. There's still the other Cylons out there. Well, I mean, Cavill's dead, but there's other base stars out there that exist, number one. Number two, there's the original colonies, the 12 colonies. They're radiated, but there's Cylons presumably living on them, and there's that's out there. And then the big thing, which I think is just a one of the big flaws of the whole Leodama, let's destroy all our technology, there'll be no history of us, there'll be no link back, is the Cylon based our their allies that up and left. There was nothing telling them not to, at some point, come back. The other Cylons that were fighting them don't know where they are, presumably, but the other, these Cylons do, and they could have gone off and done anything, and any number of ships could have come back at any point. Not that they'd be fighting the humans anymore, but just the fact that they would show up. They did Stonehenge. They did Stonehenge, and they did the pyramids. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. By the way, I will accept Lee Adama as the father of all modern politicians. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. He wasn't even the president. He just he landed. To be. He just uh, had to stick his nose in everybody's business. One last tool. time. Do you want to move on to a quick Caprica? I think the only thing to add on Caprica is that... I think sci-fi missed the boat. It should have debuted within weeks of BSG going down. Or, if not that, it should have been the new Skiffy channel with Caprica, 8 p.m. this night. It should have been all rolled up together. Because, to be quite honest, at this point, they're going to roll out Caprica at some point when I don't need to watch it. I mean, there's nothing on TV right now. Nothing. But instead, they're holding it for, like, the fall or something, when you're going to have... I think it's January. Well, yeah, it's not okay. that they're holding it. It's They're just now shooting it. They've just well, shot they the first episode, it. and they're now shooting, as we record this right now, they are just now recording the second episode. I so, think the premiere is in January. Is it in January? It's in January, right. Yeah. So, but they're just shooting them right but, now. But there's too many the other options. That, in the January. problem is that they waited too long to greenlight it. They waited too long to get on the ball with you know the production meetings and stuff. Because serial shows always work well when you shoot the pilot like 18 months before you start regular production. Look, July and August are a massive hole in entertainment. It's true. You should have jumped all over it. Yeah. I mean, I swear I've got a countdown clock in my head till Mad Men coming back on. But what did they push no- out? They pushed out Warehouse 13 July. It boggles my mind when I see discussions of Warehouse 13 and nobody referencing Friday the 13th, the series. Concept's been done. Well, in a lot of ways it's been done. What are you talking done. about? You've never saw Friday the 13th, the series. It's completely different. What, going around and getting 
objects that are cursed or have special powers. Not is the movies. What, We're talking about a TV. Is not that the movie. really what happened in the series? Friday the 13th, the series. An old guy and two young people no. went around and got objects that had been cursed and had been spread out in society. And every episode was finding a different cursed object and bringing it back to their little library curio shop <laughs> so no one would be hurt by it. It's really? been done. See, I never Friday, saw that show. The thir- it was syndicated. It came on at like Friday, Saturday nights, you know, 10, 11 p.m. That has nothing to do with the movies. It has nothing to do with the movies. <laughs> has nothing to do with the movies. It's just the title of the series. But the concept has been done. Oh, wow. Warehouse 13, that. whoever came up with this idea, if you didn't sign off with whoever owns the rights to Friday the 13th, the series, please expect the lawsuit soon. <laughs> <laughs> because seriously, I, I read it, I T-voted it, I read about it again, and I said, I've seen it. It's just going to be better special effects. <laughs> there was this whole episode where they went to, like, Amish country to get, like, a spindle or something. I mean, trust me, <laughs> the show exists. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Uh, I think one of the things with Caprica was that they took such a long time to greenlight it, and in the interim, Ron Moore started developing virtuality and writing the virtuality script. And we have seen virtuality. I don't think Jason's seen it yet, but uh, we'll discuss it. Hopefully, he'll watch it, and we'll be able to talk about it. Not that it's going to advance probably much more than just being that pilot, because the ratings were just really not good. Well, not. we may talk about it for all of 10 minutes. Eh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I think you'll, you'll see a lot of echoes of Caprica in virtuality. A lot of themes are the same. A lot of the technology is uh, very similar. Uh, an email we got about Caprica from Twiggy. Twiggy writes, I liked it for the most part, but I agree the ending sucked. As if it turns out that the Cylon revolt and everything that happened in Battlestar is all due to Zoe having daddy issues. And then that would have been an even bigger disappointment than Starbuck just disappearing. Well, plus, if it all goes back to Zoe having daddy issues, really, the grand angels manipulating this whole thing made that the crux of everything? And then John has issues with our nitpicks. He writes, first, the Cylon Greystone demonstrated to the Prime Minister has an AI modeled after the processor he had stolen. Your discussion gave the impression that you thought it was using the Zoe processor. You assume the first Cylons were built by Greystone using a human consciousness. At least that's how it sounded to me. I think the Zoe Cylon will not be the creator of future skin jobs, but will contribute toward the resurrection technology. Wait a minute. Um, well, the resurrection technology was not developed by the Cylons at all. It was delivered by the Final Five, so that's not going to happen. But wait a minute. The Cylon that Zoe was put into was the exact same Cylon that he tested the but first But it had time. the new AI. It's there, the same Cylon. There's no definitive proof, but again, if you go back to the script, in the script, the Cylon model is referred to as the U87. So after the U87 does its first tech demo, this is the first appearance of it afterwards. Interior, Daniel's private lab at night where Daniel is taking the holoband off. He waits a beat, then moves to the U87 robot seen earlier. So implying it's the same one. The MCP is sitting in the robot's head, essentially its brain, as he begins to activate the power system of the robot, and it starts to hum, blah, blah, blah. So in that instance, it seems like it's the same one, and he puts in Zoe's MCP into it. But then, later on, the interior of Greystone Industries and the testing arena. The U87 robot last seen firing paintballs at the observation window is down on the test floor, its weapon at ready. The room has now been set up with a variety of obstacles. Now, if you read that, it contradicts what I just said because it says they had last seen the U87 robot in the testing. I'm wondering if somehow the order of some of these scenes had been shuffled around as they rewrote it because those two contradict each other. The first scene indicates that the U87 robot was this one seen earlier, and the second one says the U87 robot was last seen in the testing arena. So that's conflicting. But 
ultimately, I don't think that makes any difference. I still think because it's the same one. Because the one that got off the table was the one with sentience, and that one was Zoe. That's the one that had, for lack of a better word, because it's not really what it is, it's artificial intelligence. I don't want to get too cynical, but I ultimately don't care enough about the show to get too nitpicky about it. Okay. <laughs> it just got too many Either way, the way that it seemed throughout the episode was that, in the end, since Zoe's consciousness was put into the Cylon, and the Cylons have their own consciousness that everything came from Zoe. That's how it seemed. Yeah. It seemed to me like the, the processor they stole was enough to make it like be a good robot that could like perform tasks. But when you have her get off the table in a Frankenstein-ish manner and flailing and saying, whoa, where am I? What am I? That's, that's consciousness. That's more than just following instructions about see the target, shoot the target. Right. You know, basic code. Okay, I think that's it for this episode. Coming weeks, we're going to be wrapping up to going to Dragon Con. So, and if any if anybody can give me the fifth sci-fi show that I can't think of, send it in. And I'm not a Doctor Who person. Oh, so sorry. So I purposely didn't say it. But there's a fifth one that I'm not thinking of. Doctor Who is amazing. So is Torchwood. Torchwood is so good. Their latest like little mini series, Children of Earth, was fantastic. Thanks again, everyone, for listening and keeping us subscribed. Our website is galacticacorum.com, our email gquorum at gmail.com, and our voicemail 301-358-5175. Keep those emails and voicemails coming. we got lots more to talk about. We'll see you next time, and hopefully we'll see you at DragonCon. The jump clock is running. Bye! Bye, Bye for now. Bring that inner glow to radio, to to podcasting. It's not glow, it's nausea.